certain teams move the needle no matter what. And right now, the Lakers, they got that needle ready to break. They have a new coach, but a coach that people around the league and the city are saying, huh, what? Frank Vogel is now leading the purple and gold. They have people in the front office involved. Hurt Rambis, Linda Rambis, what? What is going on? It's not the Lakers that we grew up with. Definitely not the Lakers from 10 years ago that were winning championships. It's the Lakers team that's trying to figure out their identity with the star of LeBron James, who won't speak to the local media, but you can hear him talking on his own shows. It's without a doubt an interesting time in Laker land. Bill Plaschke stops on by to talk about the purple and gold. Also, he checks in with some stories about Jaime Harin and Fernando Valenzuela from the Dodgers. Oh, and Arash Markazi, our man about town, who knows a thing or two about what the Laker purple and gold means to L.A., will sit down with us. I'm your host, Bethel Duran. It's time for the Arrive Early, Leave Late podcast. It's Wednesday, May 15th. Now, before we get into the Lakers and that drama and that telenovela, Bill Plaschke, I always love it when you write about somebody that's a member of the community. And this past weekend, you wrote a tough story about Jaime Harin and the loss of his beloved wife of 61 years. And you've known Jaime for a long time, haven't you? How hard was it to write that piece? Yeah, it was really difficult because I love Jaime and I've been around him and I know what his impact just look at the stands in Dodger Stadium and look at the demographics and look at the way his voice has reached into parts of the community that were underserved and underappreciated. And now they're embraced by the Dodgers. This story is actually a different story. I had a column prepared to run about Jaime's cutting back. I talked to Jaime this winter and he said he's cutting back and coming off the road for games outside the West Division for the Dodgers Spanish language broadcast because you want to spend more time with his wife, Blanca. And was she sick? No, he just loved her to death. And they've been married for 65 years and he wanted to spend more time with her. So I had a whole story written about this and this loving man and coming off the road and leaving what he loved to do to be, to spend his golden years with his wife. And the day before the story was going to run, I got news that Blanca had died of a heart attack during spring training. So suddenly his Jaime Hurin's whole reason for coming off the road was gone. And his whole retirement plans were shot before they ended. And this dream he had died, literally died before it could be realized. And all this time he was gonna make up with Blanca, all this time he missed with her, suddenly he couldn't get back. And it was really compelling to me and really heartbreaking. So I waited a couple of weeks, you know, of course I talked to him right away and expressed my condolences. And then several weeks later, I just said, hey, do you want to talk about it? And I realized he was back on the road and he had done exactly what people close to him thought he would do two days after she died. He said, okay, I'm going to go back on the road because I got no reason to be home. And so I said, you want to talk about it? And it was hard for him at first, but he agreed to do it. It was really hard because you see stories, you like them to have happy endings. Well, there's no real happy ending in this story. I mean, there's his courage in going on the air every night but to hear him talk about coming home from his first road trip and she sits in this caramel leather chair in his office next to his desk, waits for him every night for 61 years that he's done the Dodgers. She's waited for him every night, never gone to sleep while he's still awake. And he comes home from his first road trip in St. Louis and she's not there. And he goes to call her four times a day and she's not there. And she's his most fervent listener and she's not there. 
and it was really hard. So it was a it was a mix of trying to write about his pain, but also write about his bravery and that he's continued to do what he's doing. And he keeps going to the ballpark and he can't get through it talking about it without tears, but he carries her spirit with him. So yes, it was very compelling. And this is a guy who's given so much to the community. You know, when he finally decided to be selfish and do something for himself, it was taken from him. This time he's known by many as being the translator for Fernando during Fernando Mania. But his impact, again, the Dodgers were the first Spanish language broadcast team in baseball. They're pioneers in this area. The Dodgers fan base is predominantly Latino. So it was sad to see this pioneer struggling and going through so much pain. But he keeps doing it. He keeps serving the listener. He keeps serving the community. And I just told him, he sent me a nice text about the story. And I texted him back and I just said, Los Angeles loves you because it does. Yeah, his home run call, se va, se va, se va, you know, kiss it goodbye. It's, um, he's just a classy gentleman being around him a little bit. I'm still taking back that he even knows my name and he always greets you with, how are you doing? A hug. It, it, it just, he has a presence, an aura about him, just like Vince Scully does. But the way he carries himself and, you know, we knew that he had a wife. We knew that he loved her, but reading your story about it, the fact that they were, teenage sweethearts they were married when he was 18 years old yeah she told him go to the united states she didn't care about baseball but was listening every single night and what you wrote about her sitting in that recliner waiting for him to come home Look, we could all have the most loving and supporting family but to sit there every single night when the dodgers are blowing another game just to be there for you that support you really painted a picture of a, a couple that had true love you know, she picked out his clothes. You know, now that Don Newcomb's gone, God rest his soul, Jaime's the finest dressed guy at Dodger Stadium. And she picked out his clothes. And while he was out doing everything for the Latino community, she was home making sure her kids read Spanish aloud every night from books for an hour so they wouldn't forget their Spanish. She was the one taking them to soccer games. She was the one running the household. And she was the one, she would take Dodger tickets and put them in envelopes, put them in her purse, and they go out to dinner or lunch or breakfast. They would give those tickets to valets and busboys and waiters and waitresses. Every day, they give stuff away. One of the last things she did was come home from a lunch and there was a garbage man pulling their cans back from the curb. She said, I want to give him a tip. She also carried an envelope with $20 bills in it. And she pulled the envelope out and gave the garbage man an $80 tip just for being kind to her. So that's where Jaime's kindness comes from. And that's where his generosity of spirit comes from. All that was from her. All that was from her, from Miss Blanca. And Bill, you've been writing about the Dodgers lately, and not just necessarily on the, what the team's been doing, but you wrote about Fernando Valenzuela, and they have to find a way to somehow honor that 34 jersey, which is not officially retired because the Dodger policy is only Hall of Famers get their jersey retired, but it's unofficially retired. As Mitch Poole, the Dodgers clubby, will not give that number out to any player. But you wrote about Fernando and the Dodgers and the Los Angeles community. Yeah, well, well, Mitch Poole is now the visiting clubhouse guy, but the home clubhouse guy, Alex, is the same way. Yeah, it's amazing to me that they let a baseball museum and baseball writers dictate who gets their number retired. Fernando Venezuela, again, it's such an obvious retiring number, a number that should be retired, so obvious that on their own, the clubhouse managers haven't given it out. On their own, nobody told them to. They just didn't give it out because they couldn't bear to give it out to anybody. If the Dodgers won't retire, I think that's just silly. I think it's a silly, silly tradition, a silly, silly policy. And I think retired numbers connect the players with the community, especially now with the TV debacle going on 
and their TV blackout, and a lot of LA doesn't see the games on TV. This is an important bit of fan outreach. They need to change it. For one thing, the policy is only followed by about a third of the major league teams. And for another thing, there's no rule about it. And, you know, anywhere. I mean, the Kansas City Royals have retired Frank White's number. The Minnesota Twins have retired Ken Herbeck's number. What do they have in common? They connected the team to the community. And nobody did that more than Fernando. Nobody. And so they're making him a legend in Dodger history. And they're going to give him a plaque. That's not enough. Get his number off somebody's back forever for good, permanent, make it official. They ought to retire Maury Will's number. He changed the game with the stolen base. They ought to retire that number. They ought to retire Steve Garvey's number. He almost made the Real Hall of Fame anyway. There are several numbers that I think they should retire. And some people say, well, I'm glad they have those standards. Well, the average fan, those standards are set, again, by a vote of baseball writers to enshrine somebody in a museum in New York. What's they got to do with Dodger Stadium? What's they got to do with the numbers on the Dodgers' backs? I think it's silly. They have to do something to honor the players you just mentioned at Dodger Stadium. I remember the first time I went to Yankee Stadium, that Monument Park, and it wasn't just the retired numbers, oh. but the people that they have there honoring there. Like, My the Yankees goodness. have more retired numbers than anybody. They have 22, <laughs> and not all of them are Hall of Famers. The Yankees get it. They really do. Now, a team that— Wait, wait, let me ask you something. Beto, let me ask you something. The Miami Marlins, whose number have they retired? Any, can you guess? Wait, the Marlins have numbers retired? Well, that's my question. Um, Who do you think? Nobody. They wouldn't have anybody, right? You're right. You're right. Nobody. They're the only <laughs> team in baseball. Nobody retired numbers. That's how bad that franchise is. <laughs> now, the team that has a lot of history, a team that has the same policy where you better be a Hall of Famer, you want your number retired, the Lakers. These aren't the Lakers that I know, Bill Blasky. What is going on with this team right now or organization? You've been on fire. You've been going after people. You've been trying to console the city of L.A., but I can't wrap my head around it, and I'm just going to let you go right now. Who are these Lakers? Well, it's a lack of leadership. It's that they're rudderless right now. Jeannie Buss is lost. She doesn't know who to listen to, so she listens to everybody. They have, again, this is an organization that Dr. Jerry Buss ran. You knew he was a leader. You knew Jerry West was a leader. You knew what direction they were going. Now there's no direction at all. And so this is indicative in the latest head coaching debacle, which we've talked about ad nauseum, but they should have hired Ty Lue. He's a championship head coach with championship credentials and could talk to LeBron James and get, he has his respect immediately. Yet they didn't want to give him more than a three-year contract. And Ty wanted five and they said no, and they broke off negotiations. So they blew that hire for a, a two years of a contract that could have ended anyway. And you just paid them off. They have the money. It means nothing. So they blow the, the obvious hire. So now that who do they hire instead? They hire two coaches. They hire one for now. Have you ever had that candy now and later? I've heard of that candy before called now and later. Yeah. It's a candy. Well, that, that's their coaching hire. They hired Frank Vogel for now and Jason Kidd for later. Wow. So they hired two coaches. They wanted to hire Jason Kidd, but they felt like they couldn't vet him through. He pled guilty to domestic abuse back in 2001. He's known as a bit of a backstabber and whisperer. And in the words of Magic Johnson, describing Rob Palenka, Jason Kidd's the original one of those. They felt he had some reputation rehabilitation to do. So they couldn't hire him as head coach right away. But they want him in there because LeBron respects him. So what do they do? They hire Frank Vogel to like keep the seat warm. And Frank Vogel, LeBron is not going to respect. Frank Vogel, in his last two years in Orlando, lost more games than Luke Watt lost with the Lakers. Frank Vogel has never coached LeBron James, and but has been beaten three times by him in the playoffs. So it's almost like they hired a puppet 
for a couple of years. I think Frank Vogel is going to put a nice face on the organization. He's going to try to lend a sense of calm to the organization. He's a good guy. Everybody likes him and he'll calm things down, but only long enough for Jason Kidd to get in there and weasel his way in there. I think Jason Kidd's a head coach for within the next couple of years. So why couldn't they just hire him to first? They can't figure out what they're doing. And people, and I think if people trusted them, if Jeannie Buss had come out the minute Magic Johnson quit and hired a new president of the basketball operations that wasn't Kobe Bryant's ex-agent, that was a legitimate basketball personnel man, people would trust it and say, okay, you know what? It's weird, but we trust him. Because the Lakers, it's always been, well, it's weird, but we trust them. They're bringing in Phil Jackson. It's strange, but we trust them. They're assigning Kobe Bryant to a long-term deal. It's weird, but we trust them. Now they're saying it's weird and they're weird and we don't know what to trust. And that's the biggest problem with the Lakers. So it all steps back to Jeannie Buss and how she's lost her way. I mean, the Rambus family really runs the team. Linda Rambus is the shadow owner for Jeannie and Kurt Rambus was involved in a coaching search. How did this happen? Where did they come from? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, how did Kurt Rambus get in the room? He was, I believe, 100 games under 500 with the Minnesota Timberwolves as her coach. He's a failed head coach. What's he doing hiring a head coach? Why is he even in the meetings? Because Linda is, and Linda is because Linda is a longtime friend of Jeannie's. There's such incestuous nepotism going on there. It's, again, the rest of the NBA is Amazon, and the Lakers are the mom-and-pop grocery store. If they're not careful, they're going to be run out of business. I guarantee you this. Hypothetically, if you're a free agent or if you have a big-time client, would you even have them talk to the Lakers? No. I mean, why would you want to come here when you don't know who the head coach is going to be? Because you don't know how long Vogel's going to be there. You don't know how much influence LeBron has. And you don't know who's running the show. And the guy who's running the show is not a very respected guy in basketball circles. Now, there's talk that they may get Kyrie Irving. Brian Rinhorst reported this at ESPN. They may get Kyrie Irving maybe thinking about L.A., but I can't imagine him coming back to LeBron after leaving him at the height of their careers. I can't imagine that. And I can't imagine him coming back with no Ty Lue there. Yeah, so we'll see. Now, if they get a big free agent, then all the heat's off Vogel and Kidd. If they make a big trade, the heat will be off Vogel and Kidd, and they'll say, okay, let's move forward. They got LeBron. Let's get back to the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. But if they don't make a big move this summer, uh, I think the Lakers, honestly, have got to trade LeBron. They got to get rid of him and start from scratch. But that's not going to work with the two coaches they have. Again, why couldn't they have just hired one coach? And then you hear this week the Cleveland Cavaliers hired John Boleyn, the coach of the of University of Michigan, to be their head coach. Was he available? The Lakers didn't look at him? And they gave him a five-year deal. Oh, of course they did. Everybody gets a five-year deal in the NBA. Everybody. Except for the Lakers. Except for the Lakers. It's crazy. You've seen the Lakers at the peak, the epitome, running showtime, running the NBA, turning things around to where they're at now, missing the playoffs. But not just missing the playoffs, the fact that you're getting laughed at by everybody else in the league, the fact that people are questioning what's going on, they don't know. This used to be how other teams acted, not the Lakers. Where, how, who, what? The question was asking me today, John Boleyn, is he luckier that he's at the Cavs? Did he get the better job? Yeah, absolutely he did. Because the Cavaliers could get Zion Williamson, perhaps. Depends on how they do in the lottery. This is a low point Laker history by far. It's so low that they had the student protest on Friday and like 30 kids from high school showed up and high school kids are shouting you down now. I mean, it was the protest did more harm than good because the Lakers, the protest trivialized the deep seated resentment that's really held by a lot of people in this town about the Lakers. Protests made it seem like there's only a few people care and it's only a fad or something. No, it's real. They're partners. 
They're minority owners. It's real. Everybody's concerned about it. And again, if they do well this summer, all they got to do is win. But historically, this is the historical low point. They never missed the playoffs six years in a row. They've never been run by one player, LeBron James. A player runs the team. Nobody runs the front office. And they're not winning. That's how crazy it is. Have you talked to anybody? Because LeBron didn't do exit interviews. We haven't heard from anybody in the front office. Have you talked to anybody? Well, I talked to a lot of people, but nobody on the record. And nobody's talking publicly because they know they get killed. But I'd like to see when they make it official that they have a new head coach and a new assistant coach, I would like to see LeBron, who tweets out about everything else, tweets some sign of support. They desperately need that. You know what he's going to probably talk next? On the shop, the HBO show. Huh. LeBron talks for money in the offseason. He's not even part of the team, part of the organization. Yet, they're kowtowing him every, his every move. It's just a mess. How do you feel about LeBron only speaking on his shows? It's so 2019. Oh, I think it's terrible. He's lost the city. He lost it during the season. Kyle Kuzma does exit interviews. LeBron doesn't. LeBron didn't do a press conference when he showed up last summer, and he didn't do one when he left. The season ended. He's just using L.A. He's using the Lakers as a place to play basketball while he's getting his Hollywood businesses in, in order. That's all he's doing. And no, everybody knows that. Maybe Jason Kidd can get him reinvigorated. Maybe they can get a free agent to get him interested again. Maybe they can find some way to get him engaged once again. But right now, he's just checked out. And it's shameful. And everybody knows it. And I was one of the first, if not the first to write it, but everybody agrees with it now. Everybody sees it. He's been a fraud here. He's been a fraud. Yep. He's he, been a fraud in L.A. He's not a fraud player, arguably the greatest player ever. But his association with the Lakers has been fraudulent. Absolutely. Dereliction of duty. He has not connected with the team. He's not connected with the fans. And he didn't connect with playing defense. And it's so hard. And I may even write this. Did you watch that Kawhi Leonard shot? Yeah. It was unbelievable. It's so hard to watch the playoffs go on without the Lakers. Yep. It's so hard to watch them. All this excitement and nothing here. Zero here, Staples Center empty, except for some kids from Calabasas High School on their lunch break complaining about Lonzo Ball or some crap. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I can sense the frustration in your voice, Bill, but I also notice that the frustration is with the city, with the Laker fans. And it used to be, okay, some would be mad, some wouldn't. Now it's everybody is mad at the Lakers. I wrote a column. My lead in my column for the Frank Vogel hire was, no disrespect to Frank Vogel, but what? <laughs> and we got over 100,000 page views, I believe. And people relate to that set. And that's a real base sentiment, corny sentiment, hyperbole sentiment. But people connect to it. It's that bad. I don't know anybody who supports anything you're doing or has any hope. Again, this could all change. We got to be on this podcast in a month from now, two months from now, saying, my God, they got Kawhi Leonard. But I don't think so. Or my God, they got Kevin Durant. They're going to win a championship. Or they got Kyrie Irving. They're going back to the playoffs. They're going to go. They're going to go deep, make a deep run. But we said that last year. They got LeBron. Yeah, I know. I was at the forefront. The LA has a king. The king has arrived. I went crazy. I was leading the cheers. But slowly, then he doesn't have the press conference to start the introductory like every every Laker ever does. He pulls a prank at a pizza parlor, Blaze Pizza in Culver City. Slowly but surely, he reached a peak when he passed Michael Jordan on the all-time scoring list and nobody cared, and people barely stood, and he didn't even recognize a fan. Believe me, I've been on the roller coaster, and I was at the front of the bandwagon saying, great LeBron, the greatest player ever, they got him. It's a match made in heaven. Well, it was a season lived in hell, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. 
Bill Plaschke, always bringing the heat. Hopefully someday you can write something positive. But they're not giving you anything to work with right now. I just don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. Well, we don't know. You want to trade the kids, the Kuzmas and the Ingrams and the Balls of the world, they all lost value this year. Ingram played better, but he lost value because he got his blood clot. So they all were exposed in some way or the other. So I don't think you can make those kind of trades anymore. Frankly, I don't know if you want to. I think they take their shot at a top free agent, one of the Ks, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, not Kemba Walker. He's a K, but I wouldn't put him one of the four big Ks. And then if that doesn't work, I think you trade LeBron. Or how about this, Beto? Whoever gets the first pick in the lottery, would you trade LeBron to that team for that pick? Oof. In a heartbeat to get Zion Williamson? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. It's not getting any better. It's not getting any better. All right, Bill, should the Lakers be sold? That's what people have murmured about that. They've talked about it. Her partners haven't been happy with what she's doing. But no, it's too early to say that. Okay. You can't have a half a century of great ownership be whittled down to a couple of bad months. Even the six postseasons they've tried, they've never been as desperate as they are now. But no, you have to wait and see. Jeannie's only been in charge for two years. I think you give her another year. You got to see what happens this year. You see how it shakes down. You see how it, everything comes out. It's too early to say sell the Lakers. It's not fair to the Bus family to say that yet. Again, two months from now, they could have Kevin Durant on their team. It's a long shot, but I'm just saying, we don't know what's going to happen this summer or next season. I think if we're sitting here at this place, this time, next season, yes. She's got one more year to figure this out. So Bill Plaschke says the Lakers shouldn't be sold. And I'm not trying to advocate saying the Lakers need to be sold, but I'm just telling you what people are tweeting me right now. And like, we don't know what goes on in the front office. We don't know the extent of the conversations that they have on a daily basis. It's not like they're going to say, hey, let's just do this right now, throw up against the wall, and let's figure it out. Even though it may seem like that. And I know it's really easy to pile on. But part of the Arrive Early, Leave Late podcast, what we do is take what the listener is telling us. What the reader is sending to our editors and the emails and the comments. And this is the podcast for the sports fan in Los Angeles. And Arash Markazi, you heard Plash, you say, no, they shouldn't sell the team. It's too early to say Genie needs to go. But you've heard that, right? Sure. And fans can be crazy. They're called fanatics for a reason. Exactly. But when you're not in the playoffs and you're watching Kawhi hit shots and he's from Riverside <laughs> and you're watching the Bucks in the playoffs, you're like, wait, a minute, what about us? We're supposed to be there. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's a matter of Genie selling the team. It is a matter of Genie hiring a president of basketball operations who has held that job before. And that's what you wrote this week that the Lakers need somebody in charge. Exactly. This is not a learn on the job type of job, right? I mean, they would not hire a head coach who has never coached before. But you look at what they did with Rob Polinka and even with Magic Johnson, neither one of those men have run a basketball team before. They are accomplished in their own right, but neither one was a GM, neither one ran a team. So you're putting people in positions that they've never had before. And again, you would not do that for your head coach. Why are you doing that with the president of basketball operations? So who are you hiring, Arash? Blow it up. Let's go. 
Oh, no, 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 no. I think you look around the league and figure out who are some of the smart executives there, you know. And listen, maybe you go to a Sam Presti. You are the Lakers, by the way. You are one of the most storied franchises in all of sports. Yeah, but you're sounding like the fans now. We're the Lakers. Everybody wants to come no, here. No, 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 no. This is not if the I'm fans. I'm an executive and I'm A like, fan is saying to fire Rob Palinka and to no, sell I'm, the team. But it's the, well, who wouldn't want to come here? No, well, no, right no. Now, if you pay them enough. Don't. No, no, no. If you pay them enough, they're going to go. What I, what, the point that I was getting to is they, they have a $4 billion TV contract. This is not a franchise that if you really want someone, listen, look at what Steve Ballmer is doing. He has executives who are turning down promotions because he's paying them more. Now, listen, he's Steve Ballmer. He can do that. But it's time to go outside of your comfort zone. And again, these are all fine people. So this is not a knock on Kurt Rambis or Linda Rambis or Joey Buss and Jesse Buss and Rob Palenka, who you've known for 20 years. Go to a guy like a Sam Presti or go to someone like a Jerry West, who, by the way, you do know, and pay them what they are worth to run the team. What Dr. Jerry Buss did before, he entrusted Jerry West and Mitch Kupchak to run the team. There weren't seven people in the room trying to hire a coach. That's way too many people. I'm looking at what you wrote this week, and I'm looking at your Twitter account, (laughs) and pops up, I don't even know if I want to go here, but this quote, protest oh, you were geez. there with the yeah. calabasas like lunchtime crew right there <laughs> what was that about i mean that had to be a joke to start it with. it was right? a joke and i knew that friday at 12 noon it wasn't going to be a big crowd but i do believe that they brought up some points that are valid in the sense that we got to this point because we have not heard from rob palinka since the end of the season we have not heard from genie bus since the, the end of the season there's a lot of questions And all of the news on the Lakers have come from leaks, have come from news reports that are not coming directly from the people who are running the team. So they have their own view of Jeannie and Rob and Kurt and Linda and what's happening. And so if they had addressed this and if they had controlled the narrative and, again, talked to the media or talked to someone about what is the direction for this team, because this fan base... Some of the frustration is they don't know what the direction of the team is. Well, not like they need to tell them. Like, the fans don't need to know, hey, here's our direction. But when you look at what's going around the league, and I give a lot of credit to Laker fans, they are some of the most up-to-date, smartest fans that are out there because they invest the time in their teams. And there are a lot of good fan sites being run out there. You have the LA Times who covers them. Every single newspaper is covering them. I said the Open. They move the needle. People yeah. want to know about them. People want to hate on them. People want it. But the thing is, you want to know what's going on. And right now, especially with social media, you find reports of this, and you have this, and then this. It's like every single day, you refresh. You're like, okay, that's one story. And then you go to have dinner. My goodness, what did I miss? Like Tanya Ganguly, the Laker beat writer, we haven't even heard from her because she's too busy chasing down stories. We can't yeah. get her on the podcast because she can't afford to have an hour with but here's us the thing. because there's other stuff going on. What do we usually have when the season is done? We usually talk to the executives and the coaches and the players. Exit interviews. Exit interviews. Well, you know who we didn't hear from? And I'm not saying that they have to talk to us once a week. We didn't hear from Jeannie. We didn't hear from Rob. And we didn't hear from LeBron. And say what you will about Magic Johnson, and I have a big problem with the way that he left. He had a press conference. He talked to people for a half hour and on the way out and gave his state of what he believes is the state of the team and of his life. And I wasn't comfortable being here. And I wanted to go. We needed at some point from whether it was at that game or till now, (laughs) is to hear from Jeannie or Rob. Because again, there's at least some discrepancy or confusion of who's really calling the shots here. 
So who is in charge? Was Jeannie, but she's, by the way, she's really put a lot of people in a tough position with not saying exactly what people's roles are. Because I think Linda Rambis is a fantastic woman and she's been put in a really tough position because people are wondering what exactly she does and well, why what does she, she do. And She's why is in it a charge tough position? of special events. You know the Lakers put on a lot of special events, and so a lot of special events. She's in charge of that. Now, so why is she involved? Well, with that's a question Jeannie Bus needs to answer. Now, right? That's a question Jeannie needs to respond. Why is Linda there? So she's put Linda in this tough position. And I say that because Jeannie should come out and clarify why Linda, why Tim Harris, why certain people who probably don't need to be in that room, why are they talking to the future head coach? <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to keep it professional here, Arash. And like these are you've thrown names at me that you, when you're the inside, you know the names. Exactly. Why should the fan who's in Moreno Valley right now, who's gonna go to one game this year and send the three hundred sections? or the fan who's saving up to go to maybe a Christmas Day game, have to worry about the different stuff that's going on Well, they're not the worried about uh, Linda. They should hear about, or they should hear what players are coming here. Their confusion and their disappointment maybe in the team comes from the fact that they don't know who's running the show. So they want to know, why is Linda Ramis in that room? Why is Tim Harris in that room? Why are Joey and Jesse and... When you have seven people in a room talking to a future coach, the question is, why are X, Y, Z, and you go down the list, why are they there? So the fan in Moreno Valley doesn't care about what they do or what their job is, but they care about how this affects the team. And if there's a perception that this makes the team not a destination franchise anymore, or that someone that they've never even heard about is now calling the shots, let's just say. And I'm not saying that that's what's happening But you have all these media reports about the influence that Kurt and Linda and whatnot have. And so, listen, the fan base is upset because they don't know what is happening with their team right now. I think, see, I'm 40. You're younger than me. You grew up going to Magic Johnson basketball camp. I've seen the pictures. Did you go to Jerry West camp also? No, Michael Cooper. Michael Cooper camp. (laughs) I've seen your your throwback Thursday on Instagram. Now, it used to be you knew every single player on the Lakers. Mind you, it's different with now players going back and forth with the free agency. But I forget which player told me this one time. He said, I could be the 12th man on the Lakers, and I got so much pull in L.A. Now it seems like if you're on the Lakers, it's like, <laughs> what? How? I what? think the draw is still there potentially, but they have to win. Because you can't be the 12th man on a team that is below 500 and one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, we made That's a different. big deal about Chris Mim. You know? Robert Sacre, you, Rob, your guy. My, my guy, Robert Sacre, who's making a bunch of money in Japan because he was on the <laughs> exactly. Lakers. I, I mean, Mike Penberthy, guys who get one little season with the Lakers, yeah. and if they're winning, they can be something. But you know just as well as I do that if this team turns it around, I'm not saying it's going to be a simple solution, but if they're a playoff team, if they're in the conference finals, the fan base will feel that way about the 12th man again. The problem is they're losing. That's yeah, the problem. My point is, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is I've never seen laker fans so down on their team and look even when shaq and kobe were going back and forth oh, no, you, was, you had to pick a side that was fun it you, was, like it, it was drama. fun but they're, but they're winning <laughs> they're but winning. now it's uh 
like that. Well, yeah, it's well, just better, what it we is. We talked about this before. I mean, you're talking about a franchise. It's like they're accepting this now. Well, prior to this run, you even go back to the Minneapolis Lakers during their entire franchise history had only missed the playoffs a total of five times. Now they've missed it six consecutive seasons and have not won a playoff game in seven years. So what happens is you have 10-year-olds who do not remember the Lakers making the playoffs. That is unfathomable to me. So that's why we're in this position. It's so unique to us because we've never experienced this. This is still even surreal for me. Like they signed LeBron James and they're still as bad as they were the previous season. If not worse. If not, well, yeah. You're a columnist for the LA Times. So you got to have your finger on the pulse of the city of LA. What's the reaction that you see? I mean, you're out about town. You know what's going on. It seems like they come up to you and probably just make some kind of Laker joke, right? All the time. There is a frustration level and you hit on it. They're almost used to it now. They've almost accepted that this is what it is. And here's why. This used to be the destination franchise if you were a player or coach. There's a lot of big names this summer, Beto. Kawhi's not going to come here. KD's not going to come here. Now, so much like your coaching search where you go to the third or fourth choice, you're going to go to your third or fourth choice with your player. And this franchise has never been that bad where they're really, you look at it, Luke preferred to go to Sacramento. Monty Williams preferred to go to the Phoenix Suns. Ty Lue preferred not coaching if it meant coaching under these circumstances. I mean, what has happened with this team that if you're a coach or you're a player, you do not want to come here? You're a Cowboy fan, right? Growing up? I was because we didn't have a team here. Yeah, you're, a, so you're a Cowboy a fan agent. when you were in the Valley at Notre Dame High. Oxnard, baby. Okay. There you go. So, well, they had training camp every year. And, so and, I, and I said in the open that like, I used to work for Dave Shore, who was a man who worked for the Cowboys. Yeah. He said, you could talk Cowboys oh, yeah. 365, 24-7. You mm-hmm. could talk Lakers, same thing here yeah, in yeah. LA. In New York, you could talk Yankees every single day. People might get a little bit tired about it, but they're going to have that oh, opinion that passion. about it. Yeah. Where is the passion Right now. No, I still think the passion is there. I don't know if you agree or not, but there's a frustration level that has now uh, seeped in that I think, you know, the first couple of years were like, okay, this is kind of weird not to make the playoffs, but we'll turn it around kind of a thing. When it goes on six or seven years, that's when you become to accept it. And I don't want to say accept it because they don't think that they can win again. But all of a sudden, the feeling of we're going to turn it around with one big signing. I mean, quite frankly, listen, if the Warriors roll back this team, and even if they don't have KD, they're going to be the favorites. So all of a sudden, it's like, let's just say they go out and get a Jimmy Butler or a Kemba Walker. I don't think that makes them a championship team. Best case scenario, maybe a conference finals team, which would be fantastic when you're talking about a franchise that has not made the playoffs in six consecutive seasons. So you're going to Summer League? Of course, in Vegas. If there's a reason to go to Vegas, I'm going to be in Vegas. <laughs> I get tired of watching Lakers Summer League basketball. I know. And I'm not the Laker fan. I just want more for the fans. Yeah. I don't like watching playoff basketball if it doesn't involve the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Because there's no... Look, I'm an L.A. guy yeah. all the way through. And I hate having to see other cities celebrate their teams or talk about it. I don't care what goes on in Milwaukee or in Toronto. or The only yeah. reason I even know what's going on in the playoffs because my kid tells me he's watching and I know. he likes all the, Anyways, but it's just, look, yeah, I'm going to be that spoiled L.A. guy. Like, Lakers basketball should be going on through Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. It should be happening. And I guess because I got to experience that as a kid, as a professional, too, covering championship runs. And when you don't see it. And you can hear from when you go to the car wash or where you have the dry clothes or, or the, forget the barbershop. I hate going to my, get my hair cut now. 
<laughs> Beto, what are they going to do? Exactly. And you know, when you're at the barbershop, you're sitting there and man, they let you know. I'd be curious though, if this changes the appreciation that fans have for the next playoff run. I mean, like, would they appreciate a conference finals run? Now, if they were to lose to nah, the Warriors. Because you know, Laker fans are like, man, we're supposed to be I, here. I, I know. We belong here. They like, I know. remember last year we got LeBron, we're going to the playoffs, we're going yeah. to the championship. But it's easy to take it for granted when it's Every single year. Oh, yeah, you know? of course. So I'm just wondering if they get another run, if they get a couple big names, and all of a sudden we're covering game six of the conference finals. I mean, but do are you they gonna see them that? making a run, Arash? Exactly. constructed. I mean, this is a big moment in their. I mean, what is this summer going to hold? Arash, you summer. gave the pause. You the. Well, because nobody wants to come here. Listen, this this is no longer like you're for sure going to get Shaq. Yeah. You're going to for sure get, you know, Pau Gasol or Kobe or someone. I mean, this used to be a franchise that players and coaches lined up to join. Now it's like you're talking about your third choice for a coach, your third choice for a player. I mean, that's the problem here. I can't believe we're having that conversation. I know. Yeah, we're sounding like spoiled L.A. people, but we're spoiled L.A. kids who saw <laughs> the rise. You still teaching at USC? Not anymore. No? It's tough. You know, there's a lot of responsibilities, but I'm glad that I graduated my last class this past week. I sent them off into the real world. Go find a job. Did you tell them to get out of journalism and go get a no, business degree? No, I didn't say that. Get a business degree, people. I didn't say that, but I said, keep your options open. <laughs> keep your options open. You could do a lot of things with this degree. Hopefully, it's in journalism. So you're not going to teach anymore? No, it just, you know, it was hard, hard with this job, which has been fantastic. I write Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. You know, we got the podcast, we got TV going, we got all these amazing things. So it's a little bit, it was hard to do both at the same time. But I had an amazing ride there, and you were nice enough to come talk to my class. Yeah. Jeannie Buss actually talked to my last class. The only time she's talked publicly, I Wait, think. Wait, she talked at your class? For two hours. And when? she answered every question, but she said, this is not for attribution. This is not. So I respected her opinions, and for the good of my class, I said, let that's fine. So I told the kids to wait, 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 put away wait, wait, computers wait, wait. and everything. This is called burying the lead right here. I know, right? You had Jeannie Buss speak at your class? Jeannie Buss came to my last Did you sign class. a non-disclosure? I did. We have a long relationship. And so I, you know, I trusted my class to kind of... They can Nobody tweeted anything out of there? If they did, I, I didn't see it. Um, but I fully expect them to talk to their friends about what <laughs> she said and what they heard. Did she so. talk about Laker stuff? Not to mess your relationship up. No, no, no. But she, there was nothing that was off limits. So, I mean, listen, I think we got clarity on a few things that I think has already been like reported. So she's willing to talk if it's off the record. Yeah, but really, she did it for USC. She has such an appreciation for the school and that class that, that I teach, which was very nice of her. So, listen, she promised me mid-season. And so once the whole thing happened with Magic and Luke, I said, listen, just want to make sure if you're still good to come. If not, I totally understand. And she said that she would still be there, but uh, she didn't want to be quoted. And I said, well, that's fine. Did you think about like, hey, Jeannie? Well, I did talk to her as soon as, like, right before we started. I was like, are you sure? And she was like, please. And listen, this So if is... a Rosh Markazi breaks a story about the Lakers, sources close to... <laughs> exactly. It's going to be, what are your students going to be one of your sources? Well, I mean, the one thing that I wrote about that, I mean, it kind of came from, like, just knowing... I mean, listen, she's not going to sell the team. She's not going to trade LeBron. And she's not going to fire Rob Palinka. Like, those three things, at least right now, are not going to happen. So you could talk about it all you want, Laker fans, but that's not going to happen right now. Professor I Rush. surprised you. I surprised yeah, you Professor Rush. Maybe we'll have you back as the adjunct professor 
Yeah. The podcast, all that other stuff. Huh? Okay. <laughs> or a professor emeritus. All those words, I don't even know what they mean. Right. I'm, just, I'm just saying it. <laughs> uh, PhD Markazi is where you guys want to follow him <laughs> on social media. You'll be back on the podcast pretty soon, but we want to get you on your thoughts about the Lakers because it moves the needle, buddy. As always, thanks to Dave Wine, the producer of the Arrive Early Leave Late podcast, engineered by Mike Heflin. I'm your host, Bethel Duran. Please rate, review, and share. Come back next week with another edition of the Arrive Early Leave Late podcast.